Hi, I'm Alexis Alexander, and this is The Off-Duty Diplomat, a podcast about the 10 years I worked for the U.S. Department of State. Welcome to Season 2 of The Off-Duty Diplomat. Just a quick note that if you want more background and context on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, you can learn more by listening to my three explainer episodes. The first one is called Exile and Occupation. The second one is called Everyone Wants a Peace. And the third one is called The Global House of Nukes and You. We're going to start off this season with a Q&A between me and Fallon. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Uh, Hello, Fallon. Hello. We are back at it again. Welcome to season two of the the off-duty diplomat talk. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, Because we are celebrating society. We're excited to be here. Season two, y'all. Again, we here. Look at us. So we closed the door in Mexico. We did our thing for season one. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. Great episodes, bonus episodes, lots of amazing storytelling. And now we begin our journey into Israel, uh, which is mm-hmm. where I was for my second tour in the Foreign Service. I was the deputy spokesperson at the embassy in Tel Aviv, then embassy in Jerusalem uh, from 2016 to 2018. Whenever you do listen to this, uh, some interesting things are happening there. So we had already planned on talking about this disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> When we decided to do this, we already knew where we were going to go and the chapters of the story in a very weird twist of fate. Chapter two is coinciding with a very interesting chapter in that region's history. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Will the stories overlap coincide? We don't know. We're on this journey, I think, with everyone. (laughs) I know. Stay, Stay tuned and find out. Um, and if you want background on Israel, background on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, uh, what's unfolding, at least now, which now is October of 2023, which is when we're recording all this, we did a great explainer episode called Exile and Occupation. So go back and listen to that um, if you want more information. But this, this session is going to be pretty much focused on my personal experience navigating that, that country and that job. Yeah. And so, so here we go. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um, oh my God. I feel like I sounded just like uh what's that salt and pepper song? Here I go. Here I go. Here, here I, I go, go again. again, girls. What's my weakness, men? Okay. Chilling, chilling. Yes. Yeah. All right. Accurate. Podcast karaoke. <laughs> that is a good outtake. <laughs> we do we have a good time. We have a really good time, you know. Uh yeah, it's a it, we're we're eclectic. That is such a kind way of saying weird. Thank you. And now we are going to move into some fun stuff, which is to say fun for me uh, and maybe a little bit for Fallon at some point. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be fun later. It'll be fun later. We're going to do a little Q&A. Uh, you all- and for the record, I have not looked at these questions at all. I swear. I even moved them down in the doc Ooh. and I prepped doc. So I didn't. I don't know. I like to come in fresh, which is 
also dangerous. And and great and great fun for everybody. Uh, those of you who listen to season one, you know what's coming. So get yourself ready. Play along. See how well you do. I will be keeping score this time. So we'll see how Fallon does in real time. I suspect oh, she's going to do very well because some of this is information she probably already knows. Fallon, are you Quex ready knuckles. for your Israel Q&A? Oh, yeah. Let's go. Okay. Fuck it, we ball. <laughs> Question number one, which U.S. state is roughly the same size as Israel? The first thing that came to mind was Florida because of the shape. Is that your final answer? Similar in shape. Um, yes. I'm going with my gut. Okay. Uh, it is New Jersey. Oh, oh, small. Very small. Oh, but I also get New Jersey. It has a similar shape. Yeah, Jersey. Okay. Huh. It okay. is. So, uh, Israel <laughs> is actually 263 miles from north to south, and it is 71 okay. miles wide at its widest point okay. and 6.2 miles wide at its narrowest point. So this is what I'm telling you about and, that drive yeah. to Jerusalem. Really wasn't that right. far. Israel is 14% larger than New Jersey. It's approximately 21.937 square kilometers to New Jersey's 19,211 square kilometers. Okay. Okay. All right. There we go. That was soft. That was a softball. I feel it's going to get more intense. Uh, question number two. What is the current population of Israel? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't get multiple choice. Like, I don't get an ABCD. Not I this one. Guess. You got to guess. Damn. All right. It's the size of New Jersey. So that's your hint. My gut is saying a couple million. More than a couple. Um, I think I'm thinking double digits millions, but maybe not high double digits millions, like somewhere between 10 and 12. Um, maybe a little less than 10. I'm somewhere between five and 12. Five million and 12 million is the range that... I'm not forming as I'm talking through this real time. 8.75. That's a very precise guess, ma'am. What is it? Listen, if this was the price is right, you would still be in the running. It is 9.3 million. Woo! Well, okay. I'm going to tell you why now. Go for it. Right. (laughs) The only reason why I'm going to share this is because I read. It was really between 8 and 9, but like I wasn't sure. I wanted to. I knew it was closer to 9. My gut was like, it's in between 8 and 9, but it's closer to 9. 9.3, dude. You were on it. Ah, yay. Okay. I feel smart. Oh, what is the official language of Israel? Hebrew? Hebrew is correct. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, True or false? Uh, Israel is a nuclear state. Yeah. True. Told you you were going to get a bunch of these. Yeah. True or false? All Israelis are religious. Or describe themselves as practicing a religion. Hmm. True. False. According to a Pew survey uh, from mm. 2016, 40% of Israelis who identify as ethnically Jewish consider themselves secular. What is... Okay. What? Yeah, dude. What does that mean? Actually, if I look at this whole graph, 40% identify as secular. 23 identify as traditional and only 18% call themselves religious. What's the difference between secular and religious? Well, I mean, secular would be someone who does not consider themselves actively part of the faith of Judaism. Mm. But they consider themselves Jewish culturally and ethnically. 
That is something that is worth unpacking a little further. Tell me what you're thinking. Because what are you struggling with here? It's like I get it on paper, I think. But it's like, how do you do that in practice? Because, okay, so I'm just I'm trying to run through the wheel of identification and identity, the big eight. Right. Like if you've done any critical race theory or work, identity work, you've heard about the big eight. It's like your gender, your sexual orientation, your religion, your class, your age, your ability, all these things. Right. Like that school of thought says says that they believe that eight these eight spokes on the wheel create you. And so my understanding of Israel is that it is the Jewish state. So it was interesting to me. It is interesting to me to hear that there are people who are like, I am of Israel, but not like of Israel. I didn't know that that was an option. Yes. So this was a big realization for me uh, as I learned more about the history and the culture. And I think it's hard for those of us, at least in the West, we don't think of religion as something that's inherited. We think of religion as something that's chosen. And so Judaism is a religion, it's an ethnicity, and it's a nationality in many ways. Uh, And a lot of the religious text is around that nationality. I mean, if you read the first, you know, seven books of the Bible, a lot of them specifically detail, you know, the kings and the structure of how the government's going to function. And you know, the military and all those things. And so for those of us who are on the outside, I think it can be really difficult to understand why someone would say, oh, I'm traditional Jewish or culturally Jewish, but I'm not religious. Uh, And I think for a lot of people, it's kind of the same as us with Christmas as a whole. I would liken it to in America where there are people who celebrate who are religious and there are a lot of people who celebrate who aren't. I think that's a really good analogy because like, I don't think any of, I've been trying to do a one-to-one comparison. I'm just like, my brain can't understand this because I'm like, child, I'm black. So, okay. So being black, but I'm from New Orleans, so I'm technically Creole. So like there's black, then there's Creole. And then there's, I was raised Catholic, but I don't really practice anymore. But for better or for worse, that's like the foundation of my faith principles. And I'm like, yeah, this is hard. But you but you would do a Christmas party or go to someone's Christmas party. I would do it. Even though yeah, you don't absolutely. consider yourself I would go to a Christmas party. an active Christian. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be offended. But right. I would also like, again, if somebody would have me at their Hanukkah party, I would go to that. Like if it wouldn't be offensive and like they cool with me being there, I'd be down for that. I'd also be down to go to a, a Kwanzaa party. Shit, well, I'm down to go to Festivus, I, right? Like the fake, I'll go there. Like, I don't care. I think a place where this gets <laughs> tricky also is the ethnicity part. And I think that's the part that a lot mm. of people don't think about. So if you do 23andMe or you explore that tool at all, there are specific pullout categories for the Ashkenazi Jewish category. You know, it is a mm. genetically definable population of people at this point. Um, and if you do a genetic test and you have that ancestry, it will show up on that test in whatever percentage. I think one thing to call out there is the history of the Jewish people as a people of diaspora means that, you know, marrying in or out of the community has been definitely a topic of conversation, sometimes controversial, sometimes not, basically since that diaspora started. And honestly, even before, because yeah. you have the story of Ruth in the Bible who marries in, who is not a Jewish woman originally, but is considered the first convert traditionally. So you have that sort of intermarriage in that specific community in these villages and and communities across East Asia, Central Asia, 
Southern Europe, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, Northern Africa, all of the Middle East for such a long time, for centuries on centuries on centuries, you end up with an ethnically definable group of people. Because of that, you can have Jewish identity that transcends the faith community at this point, even though, you know, Israel is a Jewish and democratic state. So they explicitly call out that Jewish identity as part of it. But I think your part about the lines being very blurred is absolutely correct in what I have witnessed firsthand living there. I just wanted to pull that out because I thought people would be surprised to hear that. I, I'm surprised. Yeah, I am people. <laughs> True or false, Israel's constitution mandates a separation between church and state. False. False is correct. Yeah, I'm like, we just talked about this. There oh. is, in fact, Church and state go together in an official chief rabbinate of Israel that has very specific uh, control and power within the government and state of Israel. Fallon, your next question is, what does that chief rabbinate control? Like what does the, the religious church. authority in Israel have control of? I would probably, my assumption would be like all of the churches. Like I, my gut is saying that they're basically the, they function how the Pope functions in the Vatican and for the Catholic faith, what the rules are, what the texts are, like they're identifying like the, the important traditions, all of the books, all of the places where you do those things. And then maybe they are like, consulted they're like the sme <laughs> for all things religion they're consulted when the other parts of government abut religious stuff uh, <laughs> this is all I <laughs> that's all i got so you got some of that right you got some of it not right um, okay. The chief rabbinate of Israel is headed by two rabbis. So there's a head Ashkenazi rabbi and a head Sephardi rabbi. Uh, and they serve 10-year terms and they oversee, they have jurisdiction over like mostly personal status issues. So marriages, divorces, burials, conversions to Judaism, kosher laws and certification, Jewish immigrants to Israel, supervision of the holy sites. Uh, and overseeing like certain rituals, as well as the religious schools called yeshivas and the rabbinical courts in Israel. And they are overseen by the Ministry of Religious Services. So I think the big thing I wanted to call out here is there is no secular marriage or divorce in Israel. You can only be married by a religious authority. And so that Ministry of Religious mm. Services also includes representatives from the Jews community, from the Muslim community, and from the Christian community. But if you're just a regular person and you want to get married in Israel, you have to be married by one of those authorities. You can't just go to the courthouse. So you have to find your respective faith authority and go there. Exactly. And that also has a lot of complications for intermarriage. So if you are a yeah. couple that is, let's say, Jewish and Christian. Right. Where y'all go. Exactly. And this is where I would say religion becomes um matter of sort of public visibility because because the chief rabbinate also has control of the conversion. So you basically have to get permission from the rabbinate to marry the person that you want to marry, which means they have to be mm. sufficiently Jewish 
to be married by the rabbinate, or you have to be sufficiently Christian to be married by the Christian authority. And they get to determine what sufficiently means. (laughs) This is uh, something else. That's something else. I don't enjoy that. (laughs) I don't enjoy that. But also, like, this is what I think Americans think going to get a marriage like we'll say out loud like oh i don't want the government in my life i don't want the government in my marriage it's like it's not there are places where it is places like this (laughs) so that's kind of what's clicking for me and i was just like oh wow i mean i have heard and i have supported and i do believe like you should get to decide how much the government is involved in your life We'll move on to the next yeah, one. Please, let's, let's. Uh, I don't need that stress. True or false, Israel <laughs> has, quote unquote, won every war it's been in. True. Answer is true. Absolutely ah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, tell, tell me why. How did, how did you know? I had a feeling that hmm, as a people and as a nation, they give strong, never again, we don't lose, you will pry it from my cold, dead fingers energy. So uh, that is why I said what I said. <laughs> That's the impression of the vibes of this nation that I have received. Those, those are the vibes. Take it. Yeah, you are, you are not wrong. They have famously won every single war. Which is why there is still a nation of Israel today. Next question. True or false? Oh. Only Jewish people can be citizens of Israel. I feel like these are trick questions. <sighs> it's almost as if you have been on this podcast before. I know. <laughs> and there's the answer that I think is right. And I don't. <sighs> okay. True. False. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, due to the um, right of return law. Every Jewish oh. person in the world has the unrestricted right to immigrate to Israel and become an Israeli citizen. Now, this is one space where the rabbinate does not come into play because why not? The people who they consider Jewish for the purposes of marrying a Jewish person and the people who are quote unquote Jewish enough to immigrate are not always the same circle. So okay. one clear example of this is the the state of Israel recognizes patrilineal descent of Judaism for the purposes of immigration, whereas that person probably be required to convert to Judaism formally in order to be married by the rabbinate. So you can, let me say that back to you the way my brain is processing it. So you could immigrate and get a visa maybe, and the, but you couldn't get married. You could show up in Israel and be a citizen on arrival. If your father oh, is so Jewish, no visa needed. No visa needed. But this mm-hmm. came into a lot of controversy because, you know, over the years you have different waves of Jewish immigrants that come. And so every single time the country has to decide, like, oh, are they Jewish enough? So you can think about the Ethiopians who came. Um, you can think right. about the wave like Russians who came at the end of the, you know, the Soviet Union. And we're talking, you know, a lot of decades where things have been diluted, but as the Israeli authorities make their decision. Hmm. Also, there are uh, non-Jews who naturalize. Um, And so you can, if you are born in the country of Israel, you can receive Israeli citizenship at birth if at least one parent is a citizen. And non-Jewish foreigners Uh can naturalize after living in the country for at least three years while holding permanent residency. Okay. 
That's this is this is really like I I'm gonna have to sit and think about this a little bit more. I'm like, wow, this is it's so interesting to have a, a, a place just function so differently. Hugely differently. It's a it's a yeah. lot. And, it, and it, there, you have to understand so many intricacies about the community and the history and the it's way the things culture, function. It's like super culture. Like the, here's the, the the hypothesis of the thing that's forming in my brain. I'm like, is this the is this a use case for like, quote unquote, culturally competent governing? Because it's like hella aligned, arguably embedded in the culture, like the culture drives a lot of the decision making for better or for worse from the top on all the way down. And again, as an African-American person, you know, again, if you spend any time on black Twitter or any corner of social media, you're going to hear people talking about for the culture, for the culture, for the culture. And I'm like, child, y'all ain't got shit on what they're doing over there. But we also they are actually doing I, it for the culture. But I think that's because from the outside, the way they're structured, it creates this myth of homogeneity within the Jewish community and within Judaism. And if you actually talk to Jewish, which is why I wanted to point out so many of the Israelis are secular. You know, if you right. even ask American Jews, oh, are you religious? Do you consider yourself religious? A lot of them are going to say no. Or if they say yes, they don't necessarily mean orthodox. Their rabbinate is right. orthodox Jewish. there's levels. There, are, there right. are so many different communities that follow different mm-hmm. versions. And so let's mm-hmm. say you are reformed Jewish. The chief rabbinate is not going to consider you religious from their perspective because they are orthodox and they create this, like I said, mask of homogeneity. That is not the true, quote unquote, culture or face of Judaism as a whole. Yeah, because you can you can still be othered within your own group that way. And this is exactly that what comes to me when you talk about the black community, because I'm like, yo, whose culture? Which one? Right. Which one? We have. We contain multitudes. We represent multitudes. We are, again, a diasporic people. You and I, again, being from born and raised in New Orleans, you in California, there's some stuff that overlaps, but then there's some stuff that really, really doesn't. We are not even close. (laughs) We have very different cultural traditions and backgrounds, and we are both part of Black communities. Right. Again, we are. And they are distinct. Card carrying members. So, when people, yeah. I mean, this is also why I'm not pro ethno nationalism or really any form of nationalism because immediately you have to start excluding people and excluding their traditions while you define what the tradition is going to be. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, and it's a sliding scale. And again, sliding scales, moving targets. Those are the themes that I'm starting to kind of pop out like i mean imagine if we had a, a black authority deciding who is black and who isn't get i'm mad you said that with the red light on <laughs> don't say those things we, no let's cut it in post-production post-production please lord uh-uh i don't need nobody getting any ideas oh my god we do not need a black delegation dave Chappelle. it would not be as funny like it wouldn't be as funny as it wasn't anyone show. who thinks it would be funny is assuming that their definition of blackness would be the accepted one and it's so funny to me to think that because if you do any reading about history, any study of the way it goes when these things try to get defined, you oh, will so easily, so quickly find yourself on the outside based on some real arbitrary nonsense. Anyway, child, I have heard people argue about how do you define a sandwich? Well, like if you could break, we've had, like, I think I've asked you this. It's just like, describe me a sandwich and its components. They're like, oh, mm, yeah. 
a taco is the sandwich. Anyway, whatever. We have lost the plot. Next. I love it. I love the, I love the discourse. Um, (laughs) True or false, Israelis are Europeans. What kind of questions are these? Alexis, I'm upset. True or false, they're Europeans? Huh. No. False. Are you sure? You're making me doubt myself. Are they? It's probably true. Oh, I don't know. No, I'm going with my gut. False. Okay, so this is a multi-layered answer. So I'm going to say you are correct in some ways. So I'm going to give you credit for this one. They are not gay. So nearly half of Israeli Jews are descended from people who, who immigrated from Europe. And the rest are descended from people from Arab countries, Central Asia, uh, Iran, and Turkey. Uh, And then about 200,000 are Ethiopian or Indian descent. So that's not nothing. Uh, However, I think people get confused because Israel is a member of many European transnational federations and frameworks and takes part in European sporting events and the Eurovision Song Contest. So geographically, obviously situated in the Levant, uh, to use the old term for it, but politically aligned uh, in many ways with Europe more so than the Middle East, but ethnically quite diverse. Interesting. Okay. Ooh, I feel better. I do you like, feel better? Were you ready right about do, that? I do, because I was. <laughs> Because I'm just like, no, okay, I'll tell you why. Like, I never officially worked in diversity, equity, and inclusion, but wherever I am, I advocate. I, you know, kind of figure out what's going on. And when I was working at Harvard, I learned that there are certain American institutions, most American institutions that do any racial classification, take people from that part of the world. What did you call it? The Levant? The Levant. Yeah, I'm like, I ain't never heard of that shit, but I like it. Levant. And from the people from that area. <laughs> They count them as white. Yes, they do. Yeah. The Lebanese are they the famously. And the like Syrian Lebanese. Also, Syrian people. Right, right. Exactly. And people from Iran and Iraq, when they come over here, they're white. And I also, you know, being a student of history, have like been fascinated, tickled and dismayed by like how over here certain groups have kind of been grandfathered or grandmothered into whiteness when it serves us <laughs> after hating on them for being other. Um... So all of those things in my mind and my spirit, I was like, if they didn't figure out a way to make the case for these people, <laughs> I'm going to be real mad. Next question. Ugh, all right. Does Israel have a prime minister or a president? Prime minister? Prime minister? Yeah. Nanya was a prime minister. Is he? Wow. I don't think I've ever actually thought about what the position was called. That's the issue. It's always the person for in my brain. Like I, I get connected. Like the person goes in my brain, not the position that they play. All right, let's logic our way into this. Okay, so in Euro stuff, most European countries have a prime minister. So by the transitive property, prime minister. Final answer. Period. This is a trick question. They have both. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> 
they have both. So there is a prime minister who functions as the executive power uh, and the leader of a multi-party system. And there is a mm. president who is the head of state with mostly ceremonial powers. Who has the actual power? Prime minister. That's what I thought. <laughs> okay. But there is both and we'll very good it. people hear from or of the Israeli president. So that's why of real talk. I figured it was both, but I'd started doubting myself because I'm just like, Fallon, has there ever been a time? Can you remember? No, I couldn't. It's a lot like the British, mm. honestly, because they have the queen as head of yeah. state and then they have. Yes. But like everybody know about the queen, not the king. Everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Like you can't miss her. Well, miss them. The Israeli prime minister tends to get a lot more of the attention. Many reasons. Final question. Absolute final. Thank God. Final question. I'm throwing you, I'm throwing you a little bit of a softball, but we'll see if you get it. Man, I need a drink. All right. <laughs> what famous movie made in 2005 showcases the Israeli intelligence network, the Mossad? I don't know. Very famous. This, this is not easy for me. The name what of this, this movie is also the name of a city where the Olympics took place. Also, that, that doesn't help me. <laughs> Is what a city, what the Olympics took place? In Germany. When did this come out? 2005. Oh, we'll see. So is it Berlin? Starring the incomparable Eric Bana. That's why I don't, I'm like, he all right. Was, what? Was he, was he the Hulk? He is a troubled individual, which is my okay. favorite kind of protagonist. I'm like, girl, you act like. You have seen this movie. He, Everybody is he? saw this movie. No, Fallon has not seen this movie. I have never seen this movie. The movie is Munich. You did not see Munich. Oh, I, I was wrong. Yeah. And I said Berlin. Oh, I don't know. I oh, did not Fal. know. No, I've never seen this Girl, movie. If you got no. a weekend, you will love it. I will love sure? it. Especially considering what you're currently researching. Yeah, man. Oh, okay. Maybe, yeah. Maybe maybe now in this era of life. But child, I have been living a beautiful, full, wonderful life, not knowing nothing about that movie. It's a great movie. It's so good. Munich is so good. I'm sure. Okay. I'm sure. You got one. I failed. You got seven out of 12. Seven and a half out of 12. That's not good. It's not. It's not. not, It's okay. No, you know what? I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you eight. No, I, I do not. No bell curve. Nah, fuck that. I I, I failed. It's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. <sighs> well, these were not easy questions, uh, and I think hopefully people will have learned a little bit, a lot about the country and the culture and the government through this Q and A process. So they've also learned that. I'm not that smart about this. You're yeah, very smart about it. How would you know? That is a fake. How would you know most of this? <sighs> How would anybody know it? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> no, I'm okay with it. It just means that I have so much more to learn, just like everyone listening. Ma'am, you, you already have learned a ton. You, you know a lot. All right, well. That's the end of that chapter. Got, yeah, well, but I got a final question oh, for you. Oh, tell me. So we can be done, because my brain hurts and I need... I need food. Um, <laughs> shocker. <laughs> food is necessary. Food is necessary. In my defense, I did have a bagel. Um, so what do you expect people to get out of this next season? Ooh. Oh, boy. I hope they come away with a deeper understanding of a really complex and controversial part of the world. I hope they come away with a deeper sense of not only my own humanity, 
but also a lot of the professional and personal conflict I experienced doing that job uh, for the Trump administration and under those conditions. And I hope at least a little bit the, you know, overachievers in the audience understand that they're not alone and they're not you're not the only person who burned out. You're not the only person who thought they could fly up to the sun only to, you know, realize you get cut off some essential parts of who you were in order to, quote unquote, achieve. Uh, and you're not the only person, you know, at least in my case, to have a look at all of that and decide it's not worth it long term. And I hope they come away with even more curiosity to do their own research and their own exploration. And maybe when all this is calmed down, you know, take a trip to Israel and, and see it because it is an incredible place. And um, they do a great job with tourism. If you go to Israel as a tourist, I think you will have an incredible time. That's the end of episode one. Hopefully you learned something new. As always, we'd love to hear from you if you have follow-up thoughts, questions, or comments on the episode. Join me next time as we walk through the actual process of me moving to Israel learning the language, and I get to introduce you to two of my former colleagues from the embassy. See you soon. If you would like to support the show, you can do that on Patreon, or you can buy hats, mugs, t-shirts, and Public. If you are a current or former diplomat that would like to tell your story, you can email me at offdutydiplomat at gmail.com. Off Duty Diplomat is an oral memoir of my career in the Foreign Service. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love a review. Thanks for listening.